which was bananas to me. Yeah, bananas. And then I have, I've had guys be like, I look really skinny girls. And I'm like, is this really what we're doing right now? You know what I mean? But, but then there's, there's beautiful responses where men are saying, you know, like I'm looking for a partner. I'm looking for someone who challenges me. I'm looking for someone where we can share experiences and support each other, you know? So it's just very telling pretty quickly. for this episode. Happy spring. It has been a long winter and we're coming into spring and I'm personally thrilled about that. So, um, and I'm feeling better than I was a few weeks ago. My dark night of the soul is I'm coming through it. So glad to report that. And I just wanted to say a big thank you and shout out to all of my patrons. If you are interested in joining our Patreon, then you will get access. If you join at a $10 a month or more level, you will get access to our live monthly Q and a with me, which is going to happen either next week or the following week. And that is recorded. So if you have a question and you can't make the actual live Q&A, you can also get that question answered. So if you're interested in being a more active participant in the community and supporting the podcast and ensuring that we stay ad-free and open to all, then you can just Google Dear Men Podcast and Patreon. It should come up right away. And I look forward to our Q&A soon. Also, if you're interested in becoming a member of the Big Sexy Dataset, which is the folks that I email regularly about surveys, just the the sex research that I do, the sex and dating and relationship research. If you're interested in being a member of that, you can just email me at dearmenpodcast at gmail.com and just say, add me to the big sexy data set. Um, I'm working on streamlining that so that you can text your email to a certain place. But for now, just email me and I'll, I'll manually add you and I would love to have you. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am stoked to have Allie Goldberg with me today. She is a comedian and a creator and a dating show host, which we've never had on the podcast. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I'm very curious to hear about kind of how you got to where you are. That's a question I'm often asked in my profession as well. And I'm curious when, when you describe what you do to people, how do you say, how do you talk about what you do and how did you get there? Great question. How did I get here? <laughs> I have a thing on my wall actually that I got at a flea market that says I traveled. No, I took the road less traveled and now I don't know where the hell I am. <laughs> and it really speaks to me every day. Um, so I am a theater dork at heart. I, you know, did, did theater forever and ever. First show I was ever in, I was in a local production of Peter Pan. I played a lost boy. I was eight years old. <laughs> so I always did theater and then majored in theater in college. I went to Yale and then graduated, went to New York, did the whole waiting in line thing. Um actually did a dinner theater show at Disney for a while, then did a bunch of new plays, new musicals, but I grew very disillusioned with theater very quickly once I was out in the real world. Um, really quick summary is just like the, the it's, it's changed a lot, but the roles available to women are very limited and stereotypical and just a lot of different issues. So I started creating my own work um, over a decade ago. And that's when things I would say really started going well for me and have been so much fun. So I started a sketch comedy show in New York that ran for years where we would perform internet text word for word um, as as different characters and, you know, essentially treating the internet like a script. And I created a variety of shows. Another show I created that is relevant for your audience perhaps is I used to do a show about breakup texts where I would perform and analyze audience members' breakup texts live on stage. And you'd get a free shot if you submit live. I haven't done that one live since before the pandemic, but it was wild. People would show up with their screenshots because they didn't get closure. They're they're upset, they're angry, and they're so ready. The same way we screenshot it and send it to all our friends. They're they're am I allowed to curse on this podcast? Yes. They're fucking ready to share it with a room of strangers. Anyway, so I sold that. Wait, wait, wait. We yeah. have to go back. We have yeah, to go back. Yeah, yeah. So 
<laughs> when you say uh, breakup texts, these are folks who received breakup texts or they sent them? 90% of the time received. Okay. Because those are the people that come with all their angst. And then occasionally the sender. And we'd be like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> Occasionally, we're good examples. I do think there are a few times and places for breakup texts. So that's been really interesting. At first, I was like, absolutely, it's never okay. The more I've done the show, I'm like, you know what? There are a few times and places where it's okay. Like when it's early in a relationship, or frankly, if the relationship's a little bit abusive, or you're falling into cycles of breaking up and making up because you're in person and then you have makeup sex. You know what I mean? So it's like there are times and places where text can be really good and final. Um, but generally speaking, it is not an empathetic thing to do. But the interesting thing is there's also a lot of comedy in it, right? Because you're looking at timestamps and emojis and spelling errors. It's like such a ridiculous cultural phenomenon. So this has become a very long-winded, how did I get here? I sold that show. I'm not officially allowed to say where I sold it to, which is so stupid and annoying. But <laughs> but now celebrities perform your breakup texts. An expert joins us. So not me, but maybe you could come join us for season two. But an expert joins and I host, and I'm an executive producer in it too, and we break down your breakup. So you can submit your breakup text still. Um, season one is wrapped. We're not going to find out for a long time if we get a season two, but how to break up by text.com. Happy to talk about what I learned through that. But most recently, I've started this dating show now, which I'm super pumped about and is, I suppose, the main reason why I'm here, although I could talk about breakup texts and dating all day. But I created this fall a show called Love Isn't Blind. And the gimmick is that I have four men compete for one woman with the caveat that the men can't speak. And I know upon hearing that, that a lot of men are horrified. But the truth of the matter is I make the men look fantastic. It's like a joyful, silly time. All the men are getting dates. And one of your former clients was one of my first bachelors. And he's just that absolute best. And he did say we could use his name. So Benjamin was one of my contestants. <laughs> yes. And it's a very sweet story because I think that Jason Lang, my co-coach is the one who recommended him. He did. He, yeah. Which was, uh, yeah. Although you got to tell Jason, I followed up and said, thank you a million times. And then he never responded again. I don't know what I did wrong, but, <laughs> but yeah, he brought me Benjamin, but in, in Benjamin's like my ideal contestant, right? Cause it's like, the irony of the show is it's like this feminist gimmick where the men can't speak, but the men who agree to it are great men. You know what I mean? So it's men who are open-minded. They're working on themselves. You know, it's a lot, a lot of my contestants I find out later are like secretly in men's circles, but they don't tell me. I'm so fascinated by men's circles now because I think they're like amazing. I think all men should sign up for them, but it's like this big, it's like this dark secret that they don't tell me, but my best contestants I find out later they're in men's circles. So yeah, the irony, of course, is it's generally speaking good men. Although I do have, um, <laughs> I have, a, I do interview the men and I've had some incidents for sure, which we can talk about, about men being pretty sexist out of the gate when I interview them for the show. And then I don't, I do not put them on the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, I am curious, actually, what, what are your interview questions or what are you, how do you screen? How many men are applying? How do they apply? I'm sure some of my listeners will be interested. This show yeah. takes in LA, I assume. Yes. So right now it's a live show in Los Angeles. Right now I'm doing it first Fridays of the month. So April 7th, May 5th, June 2nd, first Fridays. Although if I start to get more applications, I would love to do it more frequently. And I am going to be launching a tour soon and going to other cities. So really people can apply from anywhere, but it's a it's a short application. It's been really educational for me as well to interview men about their dating lives while not being on a date with them. It's really fascinating. Yes. But, I would love yeah. to hear all about this because that is I know, there's so many sure. things. Yes. You learn a lot. <laughs> you learn a lot when you see the breadth, right? When lots and lots of people are coming answering the same questions. Mm -hmm. There's something fascinating about the patterns that emerge versus yeah. when we're only in our world and asking single questions, we don't get the same range of experience. Yeah. So wh and, what are the questions and what are Yeah, the well also just like the the freedom that men feel I think to they to talk to me about dating while they're not on a date with me. I actually wish that people would be more free on dates, right? Like it's very interesting like people will open up to me on these Zoom calls and it's like kind of beautiful and then I sort of wonder if they're like that on dates and I don't think they are. I mean, sorry, I'm already getting ahead of myself cuz there's like so much to discuss, but <laughs> 
<laughs> so the questions are pretty simple. It, you know, just asking some, you know, you can go to loveisntblind.co to apply. The .com was taken, sadly, loveisntblind.co. And there's a tab there. It says, be a contestant. And they're pretty basic demographic questions for that. But then I I ask people to send me a video. And, you know, it's unedited. I'm the only one who sees it. A lot of people are like, well, I haven't had time to make you something. And I'm like, I just want to meet you, you know? So unedited video. But people reveal things pretty quickly. And I will say, again, on behalf of all men, <laughs> It's been interesting to see what the women do too. Like a lot, we're all we're all making the same mistakes, I think. And I'm like, what, what mistakes am I making? But yeah, a lot of people are really leading with um, I don't want to say trivial things, but it's interesting when you ask them what they want in a partner, what people choose to lead with, I think is very telling. Yeah, especially if they choose to lead. You know, I had one guy tell, and then there's like the sexist stuff, right? Like, I, I, it's really unbelievable what people say. I had a Zoom with a guy, and he told me that uh, women have a shelf life, which was bananas to me. Yeah, bananas. And then I have, I've had guys be like, I look really skinny girls. And I'm like, is this really what we're doing right now? You know what I mean? But, but then there's, there's beautiful responses where men are saying, you know, like, I'm, looking for a partner. I'm looking for someone who challenges me. I'm looking for someone where we can share experiences and support each other, you know? So it's just very telling pretty quickly. Um, who, who, you know, so yeah, I I could go on and on, but uh, (laughs) I'll pause. So, yeah. So it sounds like one of the questions is what are you looking for in a partner? Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, demographic questions, they send me a video and I just say, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, it's just been very revealing. I mean, again, from the women's side too, like as, as a heterosexual woman, it's, it's, get, it can be easy to fall in that pitfall of bashing men, which is not good. <laughs> And so, but you know, I, I had this woman apply recently who was like, I really like blue eyes. And I'm like, I don't give a shit that you like blue eyes. Like, I don't give a shit. Um, there's no world in which I'm trying to find you a man with blue eyes. You know what I mean? So it's like everybody's doing these things where I mean, look, you have to be physically attracted to the person. I think that is really important. If you're not physically attracted, you're just friends, right? But there's also an extent, you know, another thing that's been very interesting is uh racism. <laughs> You know, I I don't know if you want me to go there or not. You can edit this out, I suppose. But, you know, one woman told me I don't date Asian men, right? And I was like, well, I'm never going to have you on the show because, first of all, I had Asian contestants that month. But also, if you can say to me, I don't date Asian men, you have not checked yourself, right? Because, yes, you have to be attracted to to the person, right? If if you tell me that Asian man over there, I'm not attracted to him, fine. But you look at Henry Golding and tell me you don't want to fuck him, you're full of shit. You know what I mean? And there's all I'm like, there's an entire cultural discourse right now about how we've desexualized Asian men. And so if you sit there and tell me you don't date Asian men, you have not looked at your own biases. So, and again, that was a woman. So, but I guess one thing that I do want to share with the men is like, you know, I know we have this cliche of like, it's not you. I have watched bachelorettes choose the wrong match for them. Like I have watched them on stage, choose the wrong match, right? Where I'm like, why would you, what? And all the men who have participated are great, but for certain reasons or compatibility or whatever, or what we've discovered on stage, they choose the wrong men. And it's so interesting to see people choose wrong, right? And we're all choosing wrong. So you know what? You might be super into some amazing woman and she rejects you and you have no fucking idea why we're all making bad choices. That's what we're doing. We're all making bad choices, but let that be freeing in some way, you know, that it really isn't you and you might be amazing. And that person is just making a bad choice. <laughs> no. Well, so a couple of things. One, thank you for bringing up race. I think that race is something that I would like to normalize more and have all of us talk about more and absolutely comes up in my work with clients and is one of those things where I think a lot of, um, the, um, BIPOC clients that I have, so Black, Indigenous, people of color clients have concerns about, am I going to be chosen? Because we live in the culture that we live in, which is still pretty white supremacist, there isn't Mm -hmm. as much space or freedom to even talk about it, to even be open and share and talk about it and have it be a safe topic. It feels like race is sometimes one of those things where 
we start talking about it and everyone stops breathing. <laughs> like, every, yeah. like everyone in the room yeah. has stress and anxiety. And, and so there's this freeze effect that can happen, but it's something that I do want to be, be open about. And I really like the way that you phrased it because I think it is a lot, a matter of our own consciousness and our own awareness and our own ability to look at ourselves and be, be real about what's there and where we need to shift and how mm-hmm. we need to shift. And so I just, I appreciate that. Um, you, you naming that and talking about that. I want that to be a safe topic. And, um, the other thing was, um, we're all making bad choices. Yeah. Um, I think that's really funny. And I'm curious to hear, I think as, a, as if I were listening, I would want to know well, what, what made that man a bad choice for her? What were you seeing that she wasn't seeing about that particular match? So here's another thing that happened, which is more of a commentary on women, but maybe will be helpful for your listeners is one of the women I said after the show, why did you choose him? And she said, oh, he seemed the most into me. He was making eyes at me. And I was like, well, that's a really sad state of affairs that women and the way we're socialized. I, Cause I, I don't know. I'm not, again, I'm a comedian, not a psychologist or whatever, but like, uh, you know, women are socialized to people, please, I think, and please men. And so it was wild to me that she was like, he was the one that seemed most into me and kept making eyes at me. And I was like, well, that's not a reason for you to choose a partner. And something that I've been hearing a lot in my own consumption of dating materials and life is like, this blew my mind the first time I heard it. Essentially, when you leave a date, how do you feel? How do you feel? Do you feel excited? Do you feel... I was... And I used to always go into dates like, oh, you know, does he hit these check 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 boxes? And was, was he having a good time, right? It's like, how do you feel? How do you feel? But it was so fascinating to hear her say, oh, he seemed the most into me. It was like, yeah, but what do you want? So, which again, that's just like a sad feminist state of affairs. Um but yeah, so the patriarchy hurts everyone, you know, because <laughs> then it didn't work out between them, you know, because they weren't as compatible. And yeah. well, let's talk about compatibility for a moment, because I'm interested in you. So you so first of all, who do you select first? Do you select the bachelorette first or do you select yeah. them first? And are you looking for are you personally screening for like, oh, I think these two would be a good fit or there yeah. that these two have in common. Do you have predictions about who will match up? Yeah, it sounds like you know, how does that work? Who, who gets picked first? Yeah. So listen, the show's pretty new. I've, you know, been creating shows forever and this is my newest one. Um, so, well, let me just say it's comedy first, but I want to make real matches and I will be absolutely thrilled to make real matches. My most exciting show so far for me was my December show because I really thought that there was a potential match there. And because when I interviewed him and I interviewed her, I thought all the contestants were potentially good, a good fit for her. Um, But when I interviewed them, one in particular, I was like, wow, you guys really have a lot in common. And that is who she chose. And it was really fun for the audience too. People told me later that as an audience member, you got to discover how much they have in common, right? Because one thing I do is I search the men's phones. And so in his, I searched his YouTube watch history and we just learned so much about him, but it was all the interests that she had already mentioned, right? Um, I also want to say for the listeners who are getting scared, like consent matters behind the scenes. I clear with the men everything I'm going to do. Like newsflash reality shows aren't real, right? So the audience thinks I can do anything I want. All the men have been prepped in advance so that they look fabulous. And I project everyone's Instagram handles. Like all the men are getting multiple dates from the show. (laughs) So yeah, like I make one match on stage. Some of my men have told me it's actually best to be eliminated because if you're eliminated, you get to do the shenanigans on stage, show off, I brag about you. And then you're released into the audience where I make the singles wear green wristbands. The taken people wear red wristbands. If you're confused or this is California, you're polyamorous, you wear a yellow wristband. So people are really sticking around and mingling. I, this is um, not great for me, but I've actually had better luck in the audience so far than on stage. So there are quite a few couples that have met in the audience so far. I'm trying to get more people to tell me about it. Like, give me give me the data. Who's hooking up? Who's meeting? Who's going on dates? I know of at least a, a couple people that met in December and January shows that are still kind of seeing each other. And one in particular where they're like pretty serious now and he just met her parents. <laughs> 
So I'm pretty stoked. But for on stage, I am trying. So first of all, in terms of listeners, I want to tackle all demographics. So please apply. Um, but right now, you know, I'm figuring things out and I'm trying to get together people that could be a fit. Um, so, you know, similar age ranges, similar interests. Um, and who do you pick first? Do you pick yeah. in or do you pick the men? So this is what's been crazy for me because I am a comedian and now I am like accidentally matchmaking. And the hardest part of the show for me is this part, right? It's so much juggling and rearranging people. And then a new application will come in and I'm like, oh, he actually has a lot in common with her. So I can't even tell you. I like tell a bunch of people, hey, can you hold this date for me? Like men and women. And then I try to figure it out as I go. But it's definitely the most confusing part for me because it's fun for me. I mean, look, selfishly, it'd be awesome if I'm able to say that we have X number of couples from the show. Like I want matches to happen. (laughs) But, you know, the actual matching of it is just so much juggling of humans. I've got this massive spreadsheet now of contestants and I'm trying to keep track of who's who, but so really, yeah. like you're, you're getting applications from both the women and the men at the same time. Yeah. Well, okay. here's an example, right? My contestant, I have a woman who applied who phenomenal. She was a Disney child star. And then she, you know, which was very bad for her mental health. She started doing a lot of mental health advocacy work. She worked for a think tank for two years. And then she got cast on CSI. She's on CSI. She's a phenomenal person. When she applied and then we Zoomed, I was blown away by her. Also, I was just so impressed. She was so grounded. She was so, I mean, I walked away from our Zoom because I basically just application, send me a short video, and then I do a short Zoom with you. I was blown away with her on the Zoom. But I told her, I was like, I don't have the men for you yet because she's so accomplished. And all the men her age, she's only 27, were like, I'm an actor and I work at a sandwich shop, which is fine, but she's so accomplished. But then I started to get some men who, she's 27, they were 30, one of them ran his own business, one was a professional jazz musician. So she was my bachelorette at the last show, and I found men that I thought might be a good fit. So, But it's a little bit of a toss-up. Sometimes I have great men, and they tell me they like XYZ kind of woman, and then I'm trying to find that woman. And um I don't know. It's interesting because we were talking about race. I think certain stereotypes are acceptable. Like I ask men, like, do you do you like um, more spiritual kind of like yoga girls? Do you like, um, I don't know, artists, businesswomen, entrepreneurs? Like, what do you like? You know. Um, so yeah, but it's it's that's a really all my answers are way too long winded. I'm so sorry, but it's a lot of juggling, and I I guess maybe what what you're making me realize is perhaps I need to like streamline my process more, but it's a lot of me meeting people and trying to juggle juggle who will be a match. Yeah, and keeping it in the right age ranges. Like I'll wake up one morning and I'll have a 22-year-old guy apply and a 45-year-old man. And I'm like, that's great, but you're not the same show. I'm going to have a show for early 20s and I'm going to have a show for early 40s, you know? So, yeah. Well, it's interesting because the way that you describe it, it feels a lot more like cooking a really interesting meal than having yes. a right? It's like, oh, there's you're you're kind of seeing what ingredients come in and then you're like mixing everything in the pot. Um, because yeah, it, it does feel like there are two puzzle pieces happening, right? Yeah. There's the, there's the woman and then there's the four contestants and it's kind of like, I don't know, planets orbiting around something where it's like, which of these are the most likely to match with this? Um, totally. And yeah, I love I, that analogy of cooking. <laughs> yeah. It feels very artistic. Like there's different inputs. And then at some point you're kind of like, oh, this seems like a good recipe. Let's try it out. And there's something great about the experimental vibe of it. Um, yeah. I appreciate what you said about um, one of the things I really love about what you're talking about is this is a really fun way to meet people. And it's a fun way for singles to meet people. And you said that in the audience, there are singles and there are also couples, right? Mm-hmm. So and long-term committed couples are also showing up and there's just such a fun vibe to it. And I think it's it's the kind of thing where being on the dating apps can feel so isolating and difficult and oh my gosh, the worst. has its own just host of challenges. Whereas I really like the idea of going to a fun high vibe event and meeting other folks in the audience. Like it doesn't surprise me that more matches are actually happening in the audience. Yeah. Um, I ran a burlesque show briefly in New York city. And one of my friends met her husband there. 
yeah, at one of the shows. And it, it made me really happy because yeah, because you're going to heaven now. You can do anything you want. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. I also, um, at the time I, I wasn't a very good producer. I was a very good performer, but I was like an okay producer. And this was one of the least attended shows. So a little bit like a failure. I was like, oh God, only this many people came. But one of them was became a like loving, committed, beautiful oh God, couple. I love that. So I was so like, it was you like know, your most successful show. Exactly. I was like, this is such a metaphor for how do you measure success? And I think in yeah. this culture, we measure it by like moreness, like how much moreness is there versus quality or depth or, you know, these other, other ways of thinking about it. But I, I, it doesn't surprise me that a lot of folks are meeting in the audience because this is my, my desire or sort of wish for the world is I wish there were a way to quote, do dating apps. That was a lot more live and in person, yeah. every yeah. there's a mixer and it's, it's more relational and we learn something or we watch something together. We do something together mm-hmm. rather than stand around, you know? So I just, I, I, that doesn't surprise me that more of the matches are happening in the audience versus. Yeah. In yeah. The actual and show. And I think, yeah, I'm biased, but something I'm trying to do is like these men on stage are taking a risk. They're being brave. They're putting themselves out there. And I think the men, and then, you know, hopefully the way I facilitate it creates this atmosphere of joy and silliness. And I tell people like, look, these men are taking a risk. Now you can take a risk, you know? So it's creating that environment where people are like, you know what? Yeah, I can, I can fucking go ask for this phone number, you know? (laughs) But a key component is the coupled people with the red wristbands, because I tell them at the beginning of the show, like I have the single people stand up and I'm like, check each other out. And then I have the red people stand up and I'm like, look, I know y'all think you're done you're not done. Okay. Like everyone's like, I am finished. No, like you have a responsibility tonight. So wing person, a green wristband. And I have opportunities throughout the night for them to do it. And some of the couples, you see them taking it so seriously. They're really excited and they're helping the green wristbands meet each other. And then another thing that I've done is one of my best friends in the world met her husband on the street and they have everything in common. They're the best couple. They're married. They're amazing. They are my official wing woman and wingman, and they wear wings. So if you're more introverted, but you want to meet someone or a man who was just eliminated, you think he's cute, you go see my wing people and they make it happen for you. So it definitely makes sense that more matches are happening on stage. But I did want to add one more thing when you're asking how I choose contestants. Diversity is really important to me. Most of my lineups have been quite diverse. Um, This Friday, I do have four straight white men. (laughs) But most of them have been pretty diverse. But in order to keep that up, I do need more candidates to apply. But yeah, I'm looking for that as well. And I'm looking for different personality types. Like at my very first show, The Bachelorette referred to the men on stage as a variety pack. And I loved that, right? Like I want different types of people up there as well. So that's something else I just wanted to throw in that I am really looking for. And in The Bachelorettes too, you know, like one was a Disney star, but you know, the next one, uh, you know, I've had entrepreneurs. The next one for this coming Friday works at Condé Nast and works on documentaries. So really all different kinds of people. Um, But yeah, anyway, going back to your question, the couples have a very important role and are a factor in why so many people are meeting in the audience. I really love that community aspect. There's something really lovely about bringing back the idea of, you know, matchmaking in the classic Mm -hmm. sense of the community is also kind of looking out for who would be good with whom. So it's not quite so individualistic, but there's a little, there's more support. So I really, I really love that. That seems, it just seems healthy. Like, Hey, we're all in this together, right? Yeah. We want to generate thing, love in the world. Not yeah. less. The other thing that I actually want to encourage even more as I continue developing the show is like, we can't hate the dating apps and then also be shying away from in-person experiences. And also Ladies, if a man approaches you and you're not that into him, just be nice about it. There's no reason for you to roll your eyes. There's no reason for you to run away. There's no reason for you to do it. So I tell people, I'm like, if a man approaches you and you're not that into it, just say, great work. Not for me, but who is, let's find someone else for you. You know what I mean? Just keep it positive. And the show, again, has been really interesting for me too. I've spoken to a lot of men. Again, most of these men have been in men's circles and men's groups and things like that. And they've told me, like, especially the introverted ones, they're like, do you know how hard it is to go approach a woman at a bar? And then she freaks out and runs away to her friends. And like, 
I knew that on some level, but hearing a man say it to me was actually really, I don't know, enlightening in some way. And so I tell the women, you cannot complain about the dating apps and then be rude when a man approaches you in real life. You cannot do that. Let's bring this back. Let's just be nice. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I hear hear those stories too. And it's really heartbreaking because it, it does feel asymmetrical meaning it's a, it's the kind of risk that i think that um a lot of us um you know women who have sex with men don't necessarily have to put ourselves out there in the same way we have other concerns like yeah. being raped or being killed yeah we have many so, concerns yeah <laughs> you know not to downplay that but this but the emotional risk and the vulnerability of approaching is super stressful it's really yeah. stressful and it's vulnerable and it's yeah. um yeah, it's it's something that I I agree, and I also think that it's it's one of those things that I don't think a lot of women understand what it's like to be yeah. a man in the dating world, it, especially on the apps. Mm-hmm. It, like you you don't you don't get the same response. You don't you don't get the same response as a man on dating mm-hmm. apps, and that can be really discouraging and disheartening. And it's, it's, it's asymmetrical. It's not something that it's also understand. good for women. If we're nice, I mean, to some extent, right. Of course there's like creeps and weirdos who approach you and that can be very uncomfortable. So I'm kind of not talking about those, but the other thing is, as you mentioned, women have other concerns like rape and murder, right? I, we live in a man's world. I think chivalry is one of the lovely places where we don't get the short end of the stick. But then we have to encourage chivalrous behavior. We have to encourage, you know what I mean? We have to accept that we like when men ask us out and we like when men approach us. And so don't be rude about it. <laughs> you know, because like everyone's like, how can you be a feminist and also think the man should pay for the first date? And I'm like, look, I don't believe in having an expensive date at all. I go to coffee for my first date. I think it's a nice gesture if someone can fork over. Granted, inflation coffee is now like $7. <laughs> but like, I'm not talking an expensive date, you know, but it's like until women are making a hundred cents to the dollar. <laughs> I think it'd be nice for you to buy me a coffee. I don't know. Anyway. So, but yeah, I, I believe in both feminism and chivalry at the same time. Come at me. Um, but then we have to appreciate when men do those nice things. I'm sorry, man, bring me flowers. I fucking melt. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's all you got to do. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. I hear you. So, okay. So, um, talk to us a little bit about, yeah. What are the trends that you're seeing when you're asking Women, what are you looking for in a partner? Mm-hmm. And men, what are you looking for in a partner? What are some of the the trends or the differences between those? Mm. Oh, that's a great question that I hadn't quite thought about before this. And I might need to think. Um, what are the trends? I don't know if I have a great answer for trends. Because it is really a case-by-case basis. Like I'm starting to pick up more when it's someone who's really interested in something, really wants to meet someone, uses that kind of language of looking for a real partner versus again, when someone kind of, and again, physical is important, but when people lead with physical attributes or really specific physical attributes, men and women do this. And I'm just like, no, that's not necessary. You know, I mean, there are men where I've had to say, and what about her personality? Right. And like, that's like a hard no for me. Like I'm never putting you on the show. <laughs> like, You know, also look, looks are a weird thing too. I, I think I believe in like pheromones a lot. Like I've had insane chemistry with people that aren't necessarily even like the best looking dudes I've dated. So, oh, you know what else? I've had some people who are like, everyone tells me I'm picky and, and I don't know, I think people should be picky, but there are some people truly where I'm like, all right, you need to, you're not, I don't know. We're people. We're not, nobody's, there's no perfect person. There's no, Dan Savage always says there is no, the one it's like a 0.67 and you round up, I think is what he says. So it's been sort of interesting to see that play out as well. I think where people are like so specific it's like, oh, I want someone who has A, B, C, D, E, F, G hobbies that I have, and they're this level in their company, and they look like this. And it's like, all right, bro, that's not gonna. <laughs> but women do it too. So I think those are maybe, I don't know if those are trends, but those are things that, again, also as a single woman dating has been really interesting to see. Well, I was just going to ask you about that because you, so you are also a single woman dating and you yeah. run a dating show. Yeah. So 
do you get asked out? Are there ever contestants where you're like, Hey, how about me? Like, well, you know, cause you're, you're talking to a lot of single people. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I am the puppet master. <laughs> Look for me at the show, I'm at work, right? I want to, I've sold to audio. I've sold to digital. My goal is to sell to TV. I have offers from two different production companies already. Very pumped about it. Of course, it's still a long, long road as it seems like you're very familiar. So that's really my goal. Um, And I created the show actually because post-pandemic, so I used to create shows all the time. Pandemic happened. I obviously stopped creating. And then whole personal journey of it got harder and more daunting because it had been so long, even though this is what I always did. And I literally rented a theater before I had a show. I was like, I just need to fucking do this and get back out there. I'm going to rent a theater. But I wanted something that would get people rowdy and meeting each other. And the show's raunchy too. We can get into that in a moment. But And dating shows lend themselves to that. Like, frankly, even if I was taken, dating shows lend themselves to that kind of atmosphere. And I feel like there's there's a real need and desire to meet in person post-pandemic. So, um, but yeah, I am single and you can slide into my DMs. You know what I mean? I'm at Allie underscore Goldie, A-L-L-I underscore G-O-L-D-I. But at the show, like I'm at work, you know what I mean? So I don't know. I just, also, I feel like it's awkward. Like, I don't want anyone to think I'm like running a dating show so I can get dates. Like I, it's the bachelor, like it's the bachelorette's moment. And she gets to bring up a friend with her. She's like a permanent phone, a friend. And I make it all about them and the contestants on stage. Like I really enjoy being the host and just kind of setting up the atmosphere for the shenanigans to play out. And so, well, yeah, let's talk about the shenanigans because so the the dating show is um, the men are not allowed to speak. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. without giving away everything, because of course people should watch the show. Uh, we should talk about that at the end too, if, if they can watch past episodes and how that yeah. works. But um, what what kinds of things do you do? Yeah, we can give it away. So first round is always a yes or no round and the men can only nod yes or no. Um, I also take audience feedback. And in my first two shows, my audience members were like, I think the men are looking to see what the other men do first. So now I blindfold them. So you can only nod yes or no. But I also give the men a spanking paddle. And if you want the bachelorette to answer, you get to raise your paddle. But if she only has to answer if all four paddles are raised, which is actually just like a very fun audience gimmick because it gets the audience screaming like, raise your paddle. Like people go nuts. Um, And then the yes, no round. I tend to vacillate between asking like a a relationship question, like, do you know your attachment style, right? And then the next question might be like, have you ever been peed on? You know, and some of it is like just getting the audience rowdy. And then if a man doesn't want to answer, I tell him he can hold up a five, like five fingers if he wants to plead the fifth, but he can only do that twice. And so I'll ask questions again, like, are you, or have you ever been ethically non-monogamous? You know, do you have a kink? And it's also really fun that like we get these yes or no answers, but we don't get details. So the audience is like, Ooh, like something I love about this show is that I feel like I get as a host, I get every audience sound at some, like I get people laughing. I get them screaming. Then I get the like, Ooh, Oh, you know, and then we call, we call their moms live on stage for round three. And then we get these really adorable stories and the audience is like, Oh, like after my first show, someone told me I've never cried in an audience, both because like tears of laughter and tears of like, um, oh my God, that was so sweet. You know, <laughs> like both sets, which made me so happy. So yes, no round. Second round, I tend to do something a little crafty. So I've had men write a haiku about their dream first date. Um, your former client, again, now I'm being all like, tiptoeing, but he said we can use his name. So Benjamin, the best, best bachelor ever. Um, Benjamin, uh, they had to draw their dream first date, which was really fun. Cause you know, one guy like drew four panels and drew them going to outer space. You know, there was also a guy who was a horrible artist. Then we have to guess what the fuck he drew. So it's really fun, you know? And again, I think a slight dilemma is I think Men at a at first glance, they hear like a dating show where the men can't speak and they worry they're going to be the butt of the joke or I'm going to roast them. I'm not a roast comic. They're not the butt of the joke. If anything, I roast you with affirmations, but I make everyone look great. Like I just want everyone to have a great, silly time. And then, yeah, I call their moms live on stage, which is so fun because I think the audience just like can't even believe that I'm actually doing that. I took the show to San Francisco. And when I said, you know, and next we'll be calling the men's moms, like literally a guy in the audience screamed out, no, you're not. And I was like, yeah, I am. I'm fucking calling their moms right now. He's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And I have all the moms 
it's saved in my phone. I call them on speaker and I tell them to tell us a story about their son. And it's so funny. I mean, honestly, I'm not a roast comic, but some of the moms have thrown their sons under the bus. (laughs) It's wild. So, and then I search their phones, but again, behind the scenes, I mean, some men are, I'm not going to lie. My favorite contestants are the men who are like, do whatever you want. But some men are like, look, don't go through my texts. Okay, fine. I'm not going to touch your text. So, and I tell them it's easier for me to know what I can't touch than what I can. Like my new pet peeve is when guys are like, well, you can look at my Instagram. And it's like, well, now we have to have a 40 chain pile up where I'm like, what about this app? What about this app? What about this app? What about this app? Because you have 50 apps on your phone. Like, just tell me what I can't touch. Because there's so all kinds of fun things. Like for more squeamish guys, I'm like, we can look at your Amazon purchases. We can look at your Uber Eats and see what you order late at night. You know what I mean? There's always going to be something. And it's and then a lot of guys worry about being funny. And I'm like, no, it's my job to find the punchline. You just be you. So those are the shenanigans. I love it. And I'm I'm so curious. You know, you mentioned, I think you said something about the mistakes that we all make or people mm-hmm. are making mistakes. What do you notice about the mistakes? Like what would... What should men be aware of in terms of if they are a contestant mm-hmm. or, you know, like, how does it work if you, if you can't say anything, I don't I mean, think you any your paddle, of, but yeah, I don't think any of the men have made mistakes on stage. Um, but I, but it's interesting, even when you can't speak, how much compatibility or inca- incompatibility comes to light, you know, like, again, I was saying, you know, this one bachelorette, she was talking about how she's a professional bassoonist. She's incredible. She played bassoon for us on stage, but she also said she's a secret dork and she loves anime. And then, as I mentioned earlier, we searched this guy's YouTube and he had been watching all this anime, right? So it's fun for the audience to be like, oh, ooh, like she hadn't said that earlier. You know, you hear everyone kind of whispering in the audience. So no one's done anything wrong, but it's been interesting to see people make the wrong choice. Well, okay, here's something I'll say. I do ask sometimes um, in the yes, no round. I say, uh, I've asked, have you had sex in the last 48 hours? And guys in a lot of shows have have said, yes, they had sex in the last 48 hours. And look, that's fine. Like we live in a culture where maybe you went on a great first date or sec- like you signed up for the show. You were completely single. You went on a great date. And you just got laid. But there's guys that, you know, there's a couple signs that maybe they're more of a fuck boy than we thought. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then she chooses him. And then like tells me later that like maybe he's a fuck boy and I'm like well we did see clues you know like look I'm vetting the men as best I can but it's just an application video zoom interview so you know I don't want to say anyone's doing anything wrong but yeah it's definitely or there have been people where it's like oh you two are so compatible and you just eliminated him and it's interesting like at my last show this one guy was eliminated and I didn't notice this on stage but people told me later that when he was eliminated the whole audience gasped like multiple people told me this. What's fun is how invested the audience gets. I did a show where they walked up to the winner after some guy was like, wow, you had a lot of friends in the front row. And the winner goes, I didn't know any of those people. But everyone was screaming, Daniel, they were so into him. Like, I don't know. I asked another friend about it. I was like, what is going on here? And he's like, there's always someone where you relate to him, right? Like my roommate's brown. And he's like, you know, whenever there's a brown guy, I'm like cheering for the brown guy. But like, or you realize they have the same job as you. Like there's something that like makes you attached to these men. And then people really start cheering for them. And it's so interesting. Anyway, sorry, I keep going on tangents. I'm just like way too excited about this show. Like I would do this show every night if I could get enough contestants. <laughs> oh, there's something sweet about that. Well, I wanted to it's so go back fun because I don't know what's going to happen either. Yeah. I mean, that's the best part of quality reality TV. So not the kind of stuff where they're pitting people against each other, but the yeah. truth is that human beings are interesting. Human mm-hmm, beings mm-hmm. are interesting and unbelievably fascinating. Unbelievably fascinating. And what a species is even more interesting, right? Watching them connect with each other. Yes. Um, but there was something that you said about, um, the elimination part. So, um, when you say, yeah, watching women kind of eliminate the, the, someone that might be good for them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm curious, um, you know, like you said, if you've debriefed with the women afterwards, what were some of the thought processes? Why, why, why did they do that? Yeah. Cause I do. Do you debrief them after? Yeah, 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 I do. And there was the one that said, you know, he seemed the most into me. And it was, that was wild to me. And then there was one who, you know, and I guess this is still educational. I tried to find really good matches for her, but she said, you know, at the end of the day, she didn't really think she was compatible with any of them. So she went for the one she was least compatible with so that it was just kind of like, nope. 
audience was like, what is happening? But it was, you know, which is also fun as an audience member that they were like, what's going on here? So, but again, I think it's important for, for men and women, for all of us to keep in mind that when you're getting rejected, there are so many factors that we just cannot know about. There's just no way to know. And then again, look, I want to make real matches, but it's also a comedy game show. So we don't know what baggage people are bringing to the table, what patterns they have, what trends they have. But that, again, speaks to the idea of us, because I know from personal experience, it is so, it's absurdly painful sometimes to be rejected. It doesn't make any sense. You're like, everything else in my life is great, and I feel physical pain in my body now. (laughs) Like It's awful. So I think anything we can do to remind ourselves that there's just so many factors that are out of our control. And sometimes like, you know, we ruminate as humans and I think we're like, oh, what if I had done this differently? What if I had done this differently? And look, I think it's really important to be working on yourself and growing, but sometimes there's nothing we could have done differently. It's just their own shit or their own preferences or their, you know what I mean? Like, look, for me personally, not everyone wants like a high pitched Muppety voice with huge hair and like too much. I talk too much. Like not everybody's not for everyone. <laughs> I think I'm great, but it's not for everyone. <laughs> so, but yeah, dating is a mind fuck. Dating is a complete mind fuck. You know, I've had people pull 180s on me where they're like, so into you. I can't wait to see you again. And then the next week they're like, I don't think I'm that into you. And I'm like, I didn't need any of this. <laughs> you know, I will say men and probably women too. Men need to take time to process their emotions more than they do. I've had a lot of men that just kind of like verbally vomit and have no filter. And it's like kind of adorable in the moment. But then you realize like they're not processing their emotions before they're sharing them with you. And then that causes whiplash on the receiving end. So, and I do think like, you know, I don't want to necessarily say it's men's fault. Again, as this is like part of why you do the work you do, like men are not taught to express their emotions or how to express their emotions. And then there's this like real wild journey of them learning. (laughs) And they're actually shamed for it. They are actively shamed for having human emotions. Yeah. Like sadness, grief. Um, I I think especially sadness and grief, but even joy and exuberance and excitement. A lot of my clients. Right. It's it's silly. It's not manly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, even in tweenhood, like nine, 10, 11, 12, you know, boys are shamed for, there's a very, very specific box that they have to fit into around mass quote unquote masculinity. And it's very narrow. It's a much more narrow than, than we think that it is. And things like being silly and being exuberant and being excited and being open-hearted, it's shut down and you're, and you are separate. There are certain very specific places where you can sort of kind of do it. Yeah. But in a lot of places, that's not welcome either. So you can't yeah. be sad. You can't be happy. It's like, well, what's left? You can be angry. You can yeah. be stoic. And it's yeah. like, that's, you're just shaving off so much of someone's humanity. And then, yeah. you know, you know, to your point, I think that there, there is a lot more social room for women to emote with one another and the safety mm-hmm. of, of being with one another. It's, I, I don't think that women really grasp how much more freedom and safety we have with each other. Cause I can't tell you the number of men that have said, yeah, my closest friends are women. I'm mostly mm-hmm. friends with women because I feel like I can be myself with them. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't have male friends. I don't have a lot of close male friends because and a lot of this does go back to teenagehood. It wasn't safe to be friends with men or mm-hmm. boys. You know, it, yeah. there wasn't, you couldn't really. Yeah, the patriarchy is not good for anyone. No, exactly. And you, and so when you're that isolated, then you sort of learn, well, I don't share those. I don't share real feelings with men. And then they yeah. get increasingly isolated. So <clears throat> I think it's also, um, I appreciate that what you do, because I think bringing together and making it fun and facilitating connection of any kind is so needed in our culture. There really are not that many places to do that. I think so, but thank you. And to have it be (laughs) mindful, right? To have it be mindful and held. And like you said, like you're, you're kind of on, on everyone's team. You're not bashing or trying to make anyone look bad. Like you're genuinely, I want everyone to look great. I tell the men I might sexually harass you slightly, you know, (laughs) are you in like, But I also actually wanted to mention along those lines, the elimination process, because something I very consciously thought about in designing the show is how do you keep everything silly and light if something negative might happen? And actually, I think working on the breakup show is really helpful for this too, right? Every time something might get a little dark, how do you pull it back up? So for the elimination, I tell the audience, 
when a man is eliminated, we go absolutely wild for him. There's not a, I don't want to hear a second of like, oh, no, that's not what we want. When a man, because I say like, all right, she's about to tell us who's eliminated. We're going to go absolutely fucking nuts and we're not going to feel sorry for these men because now you can fuck them. You know, they're fair game. We're unleashing them into the audience. So I just, as a comedian and a host, I'm always trying to think of how do I keep it really fun? And then I have a really lovely product sponsor, Perfect Blends, that gives me uh, free weed every month. And so the men get a little bag of weed. And I tell them if elimination has you down, get high, you know? Um, But again, a lot of the men have told me being eliminated is the best because you go into the audience and mingle. If you win, you and the bachelorette are sent on an immediate date at the bar and I give you two free drinks. (laughs) Oh, that's fun. You don't waste any time. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, get to it, get to it. So yeah, so that's the gimmick. So even in the elimination, I try to keep this. And, but you know, men have also given me really good feedback. I had a guy recently tell me like, you know, you keep it really positive on stage, but then you walk on stage and it's sort of like, wah, wah. So now I have my wing people meet him as soon as he walks off stage and if the venue allows free drink for him too as soon as he walks off stage and then they chat with him like oh is there anyone in the audience you think is cute so there's more of like a welcome when you leave off stage so the men have been really great in giving me feedback as well in, in terms of just keeping it really fun because you know you are getting eliminated in front of an audience but how do you make that a really silly fun positive thing um yeah yeah. And I wanted to briefly go back to the breakup, uh, text show. Oh, we uh, could do, if you're down, we can do a whole episode about that yeah, one. <laughs> I, I'm kind of curious because I, I, um, what I'm wondering is, okay. So these people received breakup texts and then did they respond? Are you reading the dialogue? Of- yeah. So well, sometimes there's just a dialogue and sometimes there's a text and that's it. Meaning it the person didn't respond to it. They just received. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, people are showing, showing me screenshots. Sometimes I can't be totally sure what was before or after. Depends, you know, because people can also submit anonymously. I would project, <laughs> actually, what I used to do is project my real phone number and be like, I'm taking a risk. So you can take a risk. So either you can interrupt the show live and I'll give you a free shot. Or if you want to remain anonymous, you can text me during the show. Yeah. So people would submit live. You could also submit in advance. And sometimes I would have those as projections. There was different ways to submit and participate. Um, but yeah, a lot of times it's an exchange, it's an argument. Things escalate so quickly by text. But I think the real kicker for me is just like, we cannot tell tone, facial expressions, like so many cues are lost. It's not an empathetic way to do this. If you've been dating for any length of time, I think bottom line is if you check in with yourself, you know whether it's right or wrong, right? People are taking the easy road out. Technology allows us to take the easy road out, but the easy road is not necessarily the right road. So if you check in with yourself... Like a, I, a lot of people send a text breakup because it's easier than seeing the person face to face, but that doesn't make it right. Yeah. And I, I've also, you know, I've even called people on the phone. Like I remember mm-hmm. there was, cause there's this weird thing that happens with dating apps sometimes where I remember meeting this guy online and because of his schedule, his schedule and my schedule, we didn't get together for three weeks. So yeah. for three weeks, we were basically texting through the app almost every day. Oh, that's and too much. You get too, too much, Melanie. Well, well, the point was there was enough of a connection built there. And then we went on, on a, you know, date and it went on. It was like, oh, we, we went for like a hike and then we had a meal or something. It was like a long yeah. day. And to your point, I knew I wasn't interested in moving it ahead. Yeah. And I was like, this is like, we've connected enough now where I need to call this person. Like this has extended beyond the window of it's acceptable for me to text him because yeah. of the level of connection. So even though yeah. we don't have one on one date, there was a level of emotional oh, for you. closeness yeah. that was yeah. like, this warrants a phone call. And yeah. I think that's, that's something I've also encouraged clients to and use. And how did that go? voice memo uh, situation on phones, because we, I think a lot of times forget about that, but you can yeah. also voice memos, which is a lot more personal than a text. Yeah. Um, it went really well. He was very receptive. He was disappointed for sure. He was sad, yeah. but he respected, he really liked that. I called, he was like, thanks for letting me know. Like, thanks for calling me. Yeah. It, 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 it is, I think because it is risky or right. It is riskier. There is a sense of shit. This person might be mad at me. Mm-hmm. Like I might get attacked and I got to tell you, I was pretty stressed about it. I was anxious yeah, about yeah. making a phone call. It's hard yeah. to set a boundary. It's really yes. hard. And I think especially like, yeah, as a woman, as someone who has had a man exhibit stalking behavior with me, mm-hmm. I don't know how that's going to go. So it's, yeah. it is a risk, but there's a certain level of humanity involved in it too, where it's like, yeah, I would want a phone call here too. Yeah. Like yeah. I would, that we established that level of connection and he was very gracious about it and everything, but there's, 
yeah, there's an odd thing that happens with online dating where even if you've only gone on one or two dates, yeah, it's like the level of closeness or the level yeah. of connection is sometimes can be quite substantial because you've been communicating for weeks because it takes yeah. so long yeah. to get together. Yeah. And yeah. again, sometimes, you know, if it's really early on, a text is okay. I've also had people tell me like, I was glad this was by text. I didn't want to have to see the person in person or go on or even get on the phone. It only been a few dates. So th- there's that as well. But I think well, first of all, yes, kudos. I do genuinely think what you did is the right thing to do. And I think people need to be more empathetic and understanding it's another human. And like when I've had guys break up with me, sometimes I've, I've, I've forced a conversation and honestly, it's helpful. <laughs> like, oh, I'm like, I'm so oh, this that. makes, now that we've spoken and it wasn't just a text, I actually see ABCD and I am going to move on quicker now. So it actually, I think is it can be very helpful, but you're, but to speak to what you said, you know, you felt such anxiety doing it. I think because people feel such anxiety doing it, they're like, well, I could just send a text and then be done. It's like, okay, but that's being, it's selfish really, you know, not to say that I look, let's be clear. I'm, I'm wait, running all these dating things. I'm waiting for some dude from my past to show up and be like, Allie ghosted me and she did ABC. And I'm like, look, I'm not perfect. Okay. Like I'm probably done something but anyway but yeah no it's we need to again i just think technology has allowed us to be assholes but like don't be an asshole that's what i want you to take away from this because <laughs> with because with both with the breakup show breaking up but also with swiping and the way we treat people is so disposable on these apps and i really just want to do something through through humor to combat that Hmm. Yeah. And I think that you're, you're doing that. So let's talk about how people can find you, how they can apply. I'm going to drop the, um, URLs that you mentioned, how to break up by text.com and love isn't blind.co will go in the show notes. Um, but how can people also just sort of stay in touch if they're not, because a bunch of people listening aren't going to be in the LA area. So how do they get on your list? We'll figure out if you're on tour. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, loveisinblind.co. If you sign up on the mailing list, I will alert you when I come to your city. So please apply from anywhere. AllisonGoldberg.com is my full name, AllisonGoldberg.com. And that really links out to everything. So if you want to just go to AllisonGoldberg.com, you can find all my different projects there. And if I launch any new projects, they'll be there and they'll link out to their own sites. You know, for SEO, you got to have a site for fucking everything, but AllisonGoldberg.com. And then across social media, every platform, I'm A-L-L-I underscore G-O-L-D-I. So yeah, you can see past clips. A bunch of them are on TikTok. Um, One of them went viral this week. It has 600,000 views so far, although I'm very frustrated because going viral does not translate to ticket sales. So please come see a show. (laughs) But yeah, I post clips there. I post clips on Instagram. I'm starting to post them on YouTube as well. I have not posted full shows yet, but I am debating whether to do that because every show is so different because the men make the show. I don't think I properly on this podcast yet just thanked any of the past men who are listening. Like they really, every after every show, every show has had insane killer moments. And it's because of the men. It's because the men did something bananas. I mean, let's talk about Benjamin just very briefly. He was on my very first show. And I asked in the yes or no round, do you believe in your Zodiac sign? And a bunch of dudes nodded yes, which sidebar, I think astrology is ridiculous, but that's just my personal opinion. But then the bachelorette, said, I want to know what sign they are. And I said, well, they can't speak. And her friend said, can they act them out? And I said, if they want to. And Benjamin hopped up there, just did, because he has an improv background, right? Did this great, I don't even know. There's a, I probably couldn't even tell you what all the signs are, but the audience went wild when he did this. I have a great video clip of him acting out his Zodiac sign. Um, anyway, the men have been, the men have been wonderful. So far, I've gotten really, really lucky with my men. And I take good care of them. The other thing is I had this guy, who told me his friends bad. A lot of men who come to me, it's like their friends saw the show and then badger them to talk to me. And one guy said, this is my biggest fear. Uh, public speaking is my biggest fear. I know it's not actually speaking, but I'm getting on stage. He said, this is my biggest fear. It's my worst nightmare. This was my January show. And he said, but my New Year's resolution is to face my fears. <laughs> and so I said, look, I know it sounds scary. I'm going to take such good care of you. And Afterwards, he wrote me the nicest email about how he had such an amazing time and he feels like he did face his fear. And also for that crafty round in his show, I had them draw their biggest fear. And so he drew him on stage at the theater with the people watching him and they went nuts. You know, people screamed out, you're doing great. I have this great clip of it's anyway, the men have really been wonderful. I just really went on a tangent, but they've been really great and I need to find more good men. So please apply. (laughs) 
Yes. But yeah, I haven't published full shows yet to answer your question. I'm also debating whether I should live stream because I've had enough people in different cities say they want to watch. And I don't know, I'm still figuring it out. And if you if you want to, it's all just me doing everything. So if you also are a tech person listening and you want to come and you want to help me live stream, let me know. But yeah. That is a great place to wrap. I think that's really inspiring. And it also, I think honestly sounds like a fun date night. Like it would be yeah. a, great, a great date night. And you know, even if you're, yeah. If yes. You're... I have people using it as dates. And then again, if you're wearing a red wristband, I have a job for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. And thank um, you so much for having I'm, me. I'm, this is the perfect fit because I've got lots and lots of good men and you need, oh, I need them all. Apply, need so them all. yes, we're yeah. going to, we're going to hook you up. Amazing. And just one more thing, which is that this episode is actually dropping the morning of the show in April. So if people are interested, how do they get tickets? Oh my gosh, yes. So if you're listening to this the morning of Friday, April 7th, the show is the first Friday of the month. So it is Friday, April 7th. And please, please, please go to loveisandblind.co. I don't want to jinx it by saying this, but every show has sold out so far. So please grab your tickets. What time is it? Hopefully I'll see you tonight when this comes out. It's 8 p.m. At this particular one is at Townhouse Venice. So especially if you are on the West side, please come on out tonight. And hopefully Melanie will be there as well. And say hi after. I would love to meet any men from your network and, you know, love love the idea that they would listen in the morning and come see it at night. So yeah. (laughs) Perfect. 